Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Home, my friend. As always, Joel Lukowski here with me, Matt Backus. How are you, Joel? <laughs> Hello, Breadheads. Gather round. Join the gluten gang. You are listening to Hold My Bread, the $6,582 podcast. We've lost a lot of coin. I've honestly been so stressed and busy. I have been doing a horrible job of portfolio management. And I got to say, I see the bloodletting across the crypto landscape. And you motherfuckers deserved it. Y'all had this coming. Y'all were asking for this. Do you realize how annoying you fools were? And I'm not just talking you, Matt. I'm I'm talking globally. Everyone I've come into, they love it. They talk about it. And there's a point where I tell people every single day for the past week, someone has talked to me about crypto. You, other friends cab drivers baristas waiters and i don't know i don't know what i do to become the the magnet for this energy but they talk to me about crypto i let them know politely hey i don't find this to be an interesting subject For those of you listening, by the way, Joel has been wagging his finger the whole time. I don't know if you can hear a whipping past the mic. But I'm wagging. Finger wagging. I'm a tumbling over here. And, and that, it's not really fair to Matt because Matt didn't do this, but other people have annoyed me for this. But I've assigned their annoying tasks to Matt. That's okay. Oh, Matt, tell me if my audio levels are are if they go too high or low just give me you're a little hot you're coming you're a little hot okay just nudge me i had some problems but anyhow so these people they talk to me about crypto and i very politely go oh i don't like talking about this i don't enjoy it i don't find it interesting or compelling in the least and they just barrel forward they talk at you they cite your sources and you can give the most logical argument in the world Cause I do, cause I've been taking the fucking math classes that no one in the world has taken that you've, and I go, yeah, actually the value stems from this. There is an equation here and they just keep going. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's almost like, it's like listening to ska or, 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 um, you know, I can't think of another example off the top of my head. Only ska comes to mind, but it's like the people that enjoy it the most ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> Shouts to Ian Finance. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it gets to be a point where it's not like it's not like even shitting on crypto. It's like just as a conversational like factor, it's rude. Yes, I'm telling you, I don't want to talk about this. I'm telling you, it's making me uncomfortable. Yeah, you're you're not stopping talking about crypto. It's been insanity. Like I loved a bad Uber review, which I would never do. It's just like, yeah, the guy wouldn't stop talking to me about cryptocurrency. <laughs> Well, and that's the problem too, is I feel like people, people, I get, not that I'm an, I'm certainly not an expert on it, but I feel like I have been in, you know, in, interested in it and learning about it for a while. So whenever I'm in social situations, people want to lead, like want me to kind of talk to them about it. And 
I don't mind it, but I also don't want to be that. Like they're like making me be the guy that talks about crypto, which I don't want to be. Like I'm more than happy to like have a little bit of discussions here and there, but I don't want to be the guy because then you know they're like forcing me to be the annoying guy at the party that just talks about crypto, and it's like no, you've made me this person. Yeah, but you also you do have a lot of Doge social media. I will say that in their defense, if I were gonna talk to someone about crypto, like statistically speaking, you might be the person in our social circle and maybe even the, the New York comedy circle who has posted about it at the highest percentage frequency. That's fair. That is so fair. I think there is a mathematical reason for people to have that perception of you. That's fair. On but the I other hope people, I don't think I'm annoying about it. You know, I like to think I'm not annoying. Well, I mean that, that <laughs> is a perception you have and I'm going to let you keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, it was a real bloodbath. I woke I woke up early today. I was up at about eight o'clock, early for me, eight o'clock, and I was up uh, watching crypto just drain and drain. And you know, of course, the, the 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 panic does hit me a little bit, but I'm a believer, and so I ended up buying I bought five hundred dollars more of Doge at about twenty four cents. And as of recording, it's up to uh, what are we at? Let's see here, thirty four forty cents. Yeah, and I mean, our portfolio is down in like, I have three crypto related holdings. I have Riot, I have Mara, I have Litecoin. And like, yeah, they're down horribly, but like, these aren't those kind of holds. These are, I'm gambling on them being worth money in 10 years. You know, like, there's going to be a lot of volatility in this sector, especially like, I know there's the reason and I know there's the vacuum, but people want to get off the internet. That is a just big trend of how life is going. We're so desperate to get, return to our old lives that I think that will probably negatively affect the price of crypto. Uh, that is interesting to think about. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that for a minute. I think it's also we've already seen the the NFT market kind of slow down and cool off a little bit. It, it, it reached kind of a fever pitch for a while and. I think it's starting to cool off a little bit. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it could be like a stock thing where it comes in waves. Um, this is not today's the crypto sliding was, is nothing out of the ordinary. I, th I think it's new for a lot of people that have been only on this bull run for the last couple of uh, months. But, you know, Bitcoin slid 40 percent. But what was it? 2018, 20, it slid more than that. It slid up, you know, in upwards of 45, 50 percent, I think, in some cases. So I think today is certainly for newer people. It's something to panic about, but I don't think it's it's nothing to be overly concerned with. And you know what? If you see everyone there at the ball game, they're catching T-shirts from the T-shirt cannon. And you might think that um the best way to catch a t-shirt at a ball game is to go over there in the in the stands with everyone else waving your hands but maybe the best way to get a t-shirt cannon which in this analogy is a good return on your investment which is the life-changing investment that people only want is to go over a section where nobody's sitting wait for that t-shirt cannon to come back over and then you're in a less crowded market and you're getting in at a place where you're just going to have better mathematical factors in your in your corner. I agree. I completely agree. Um, it's also the kind of thing where like, 
you know, stocks and all this stuff is definitely a learning experience for people. And I think this is going to shake people out and it's going to shake people like the whole, this, the whole market, not just crypto, but the whole market is, is blood red. Um, I think this is going to shake people loose. But I think there are home runs elsewhere. Where? And I think they're going to be in alternative markets because IPOs are so successful, right? Uh -huh. Every IPO blows up. Well, except I for Coinbase. Coinbase, I don't think has done very well. But I don't think they were designed to do very well because they always kept their funding in U.S. dollars for some reason, right? Right, that is true. Like they like just by them being attached to the speculative thing and being like tied down via like the way they're financed. I mean, was just gonna hold back their growth a little. But anyhow, so I talked a little bit about the unicorn growth last week, right? Yes. So with all with all these great IPO companies with more coming, like a lot of good companies, they're just not going to get the chance to hit the market. So those companies are seeking alternative ways to be traded at like more primary stages and it, they won't be IPOing, but maybe that's intriguing for like direct listings or SPAC and like, there is, if you really want to do your homework, I would actually try and think like a venture capitalist and try and find like good value in the direct listing and the SPAC market of like things that just aren't going to get the attention on the grander stage. Do you have uh, any, I mean, I, I, I know, I don't know if you have any picks for this specifically, but do you have a thing that you're a specific thing in mind that you're thinking of? I think, it, I, I think, market. no, because I think it's like all this stuff that won't actually be really glitzy and glamour ridden. Like as things get further integrated, I think there will be a lot of like business to business growth. I think there will be a lot of like very densely populated, like geographic locations of like certain sectors. And it'll, as they kind of like intermingle, like, you know how, like when, when computers really blow up, it wasn't just Apple and Microsoft. It was every company related to computers. Right. So I think as we get to AI, as we get to the next generation of telecommunications and cybersecurity and how we're going to do banking in the, the 21st century, like I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities there that are just like kind of natural growth. And I would look because it's not exciting. Like you're getting bored as I talk about this, right? <laughs> oh just a little bit but these companies they've never ipo but like these are the companies that have like great financial metrics they have solid like growth for decades and they're kind of built into the infrastructure right and if you can find these opportunities on like a spec or direct listing that's kind of the equivalent of like we know when beyond burger hit it it ipo'd at like 45 dollars a share but celebrities were buying it at 22 dollars a share i know kyrie irving got that shit for nothing I know Chris Paul got that for shit, shit for nothing, but if you go to other places, let's get you that Cliff Paul price. Let's get you in on the ground floor and you're not gonna get that on the IPO market because there's too much hype. Right. So my guiding principle in life where I see people running one way and I see them running for, it's not even crypto, it's like crypto, IPOs, whatever the big thing is, everyone, they want the most possible valuation and I just think there's better numbers by exploring smaller, more niche markets.
Well, I and I haven't done. I don't know if this is a real quote or not, but I feel like it's been thrown. I've heard it thrown around for years, isn't it? It's the Warren Buffett thing of like, be cautious or be be greedy when other people are cautious, and be cautious when other people are greedy, or something like that. And that kind of sounds like what you're saying a little bit in that. If everyone is pushing in one direction, it might it might not be a bad idea to kind of try and separate yourself from the crowd pushing all in one direction to go a different way. And, and there's more, like you said, more room for you to move. Yeah, and I mean, there are probably good opportunities in these markets, but there's not the opportunity to have a mastery of them. I don't know anyone who's actively traded crypto who's bit like enjoyed their experience outside of people who were going to buy drugs with it, then forgot about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I've been having a pretty good time. Yeah, but come on. During the people we talked to, think about the level of horror stories we've heard. People are haunted by their interactions in this sector. Yeah, I mean, that's true. It, it, but because and th- I feel like those are the kind of stories you don't really hear about. You know, I, there was a they just released a daily um, and there was a story about that guy that put two hundred fifty thousand dollars into Doge. And now he has like two million dollars. And they call that a regs to riches thing. How'd that guy have a quarter mil? Yeah. Yeah. That welcome to America, where if you're if you have two hundred fifty thousand, you're still rags to riches. I mean, that would not be a likable protagonist in a Horatio Alger novel. So I don't know why we're using that phrase. That's that is a good point. Um, I I didn't really think about it until you said that, but you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, that I mean, I've seen, you know, that story and similar stories, but I personally, I don't know if I've talked to enough people that have been having a bad time, but it's also, you know, this is going to make me sound like elitist, but it's also like, I'm tired of people complaining and texting me and complaining, being like, I'm, I'm Dogecoin is down. I'm panicking. And it goes back to what I said before, where it's like, what, I'm like, what are you going to lose $80? It's like, fuck, if you can't, if you, if losing $80 is going to make you panic, you shouldn't be buying crypto. Are you answering the texts? I am answering the text. Yeah, see, they're going to stop. All you got to do is leave them on, on red once. Like, by show, by, think about what you're doing there. You're engaging in a social contract to take on someone else's problem, someone else's anxiety that really you got nothing to do with. They're adults who made their own decisions. And like this supply chain class, I think, cha- ruined my mind forever, right? <laughs> What's your goal in life, Matt? I would like to make um, a bunch of money and be able to do comedy and uh, not have to worry about money. I want to be able to do comedy and not have to worry about money. That's the whole benefit of me making money in the stock market is I can travel and go places and do comedy. Because you don't get, we know this, we don't get paid for comedy. No one's paying me for comedy. And what do you do? What do you do to uh, get those goals? Give me that one sentence, what you do. Research, invest. Don't be scared. Okay, how does answering these texts from people who are nascent to the market, who will never do meaningful things, how does that support your goals? I, I mean, it makes me feel like I know what I, it makes me feel like I know what I'm talking about a little bit. But other than that, it's just kind of annoying to hear people complaining about, you know, little bits of like a little bit of money and like i said i know that's me coming from a slightly privileged place but it's like very annoying to have people be like i'm gonna lose my 60 dollars," and it's like well i don't know what to tell you yeah it sounds fucking terrible i don't want to deal with a thing and here's another big picture thing if you're the most talented person 
in the room. You're the most insightful person in the room. People are coming to you for knowledge. Isn't it time for you to go into a different room? Hey, that's a good point. You're what, absolutely right. What, how, what do you get out of this paradigm that you're in right now? That's a great point. Uh, it, you know, it's like the, I've already said this about comedy where, and it's never been hard for me, but you never want to be the funniest one in the room. You got to, you want to surround yourself by people better than you. And I think it, I am better than everyone around. That's what no, I'm hearing from you. And that's what I did wrong in comedy. I was always the funniest person in the room. My name was up in the lights at the, I'm a creaking cave hall of famer you go to pine box i crush pine box the rooms no one could do because they sucked i would kill at but now they didn't get me anywhere but now i'm the dumbest person in every room i'm in and i know it but because i know that i have to work harder i have to try and understand it in a more flexible way like i i saw like the other person who got my internship and I was like, well, I was so impressed with the resume. And I was just like, oh, I, I could never compete with that. So I went back and I just learned social histories. I played into my core competence. Like I can't compete with other people, but if I'm with people who are better than me in certain things, I'll learn from them. Great, absolutely. Well, and then it comes down to, I think that's, that's really, uh, that's insightful, Joel. I like that. I mean, yeah, now you got to get new friends. <laughs> yeah. I, well, that's the thing. Like over the last couple of weeks, it's like there's some people I don't mind talking to about it. And I'm certainly not an expert. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think that's pretty clear. Nobody that listens to this podcast is going to, is going to confuse me as an for an expert, but I have had some people that I've had nice conversations with, but I've also had multiple people, multiple different people trying to add me to multiple different stock groups. And I can't be the only one in this group. Like it, it comes down to them wanting me to feed them stuff and give them things that they can. And I'm, I can't be that person because as we've learned and as is not, you know, a secret to anybody that listens to this podcast, because obviously people that listen to this podcast, most of them invest. And I'm sure that the people, some of the people that listen to this podcast are those people in their lives. Like they have people coming to them looking for them to make the right things. And when you're right, everyone, you know, you get none of the credit. And when you're wrong, everyone's mad at you. And it's just, uh, it's just not a. Uh... Yeah. And like when people text me something, I look at it as like, are they taking my energy? It's just like, you're asking my opinion on a stock. So I have to pause my current train of thought. I have to open a tab. I got to take on your concern. And it's just like, I get nothing out of that. I'm right. serving your purposes. You are the hired help without getting anything from it so yeah i'm a little specious of it yeah yeah i've learned that over the last couple of months with everything um it's gotten to be annoying there's uh comedians in this scene that have never been anything but like just not nice to me and at all never not been nice to me never done anything for me um but they want to know what they should buy and when they should buy it and if it's too late for this or that and it's like we're not friends like we're not we're i'm not doing this like i know you know i'm not just here to like you said i'm not here to service you it's just so annoying and a lot of comedians i think they do it because it's it's an easy life to just go with the flow like you you really don't have to do much to really get by in that scene and you know what a lot of them they don't really make their own decisions or analyze that much because you're just waiting for someone else to give you the seal of approval that's all comedy is it's a constant search for validation at its core the the art form is a search for validation 
And in constantly searching for validation where you're seeking out what other people think, I think it kind of programs people to not think for themselves. And I think that's true of many comedians we know and many comedians I consider friends. Oh yeah, yeah, God, yeah. This is this has gotten uh, very real and very truthful. I, I I don't hate it. Um, where do opinions come from, though? Like, because all the PR and the, everything you read in a magazine is put there by a publicist. Everything you read on Reddit is put there by someone like feverishly trying to like put value in. So I mean, there's no facts. Like everyone throws around this fake news, like kind of label but i don't really see a good plethora of information coming from anywhere yeah wow that's um damn i had something else oh and another thing about comedians is you you know we've seen comedians that are so they and i think i've said this before about myself where it's like we get so good at living on very little money the prospect of making even slightly more is game changing. Like for me, I mean, I'm not wealthy. I don't, I can't retire, but just the fact that I've made what I've made over the last year is, has improved my life exponentially. And, and that's great. You're, I think I've talked to you privately about how lucky you were and you just need to lean into being lucky. But on the other side of the coin, you know, I love playing with money. You know, I'm gambling all the time. I haven't gambled in six weeks. I haven't sold a stock in six weeks. My professional life has never been better. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got, I got three full-time job offers. I got two consultancies I'm stoked for. And it's just because I haven't been thinking about making 200 bucks in the next day that I can kind of make more by thinking about myself and what I can do where I'm the product that is going to make me money. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's 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 a strange, almost I don't know if cliche is the right thing, but it's like so believing in yourself and that sort of stuff is a re. It's real. Like investing in yourself is real. Well, have you ever talked to a gambling addict like very earnestly? I don't think so. Not honestly, no. And, and like it is kind of thing. It's just like you need this big thing to hit because ultimately that's low self worth, kind of going in and like telling you, you know what, the only way I can make this money is if luck hits my way. I don't have the way, the the skills to generate it myself. And I kind of feel that way myself. Like, I feel like I've been locked in a room, but I feel more confident in my decision-making. When I did comedy, it was hard when I was ostensibly an artist to think for myself because everyone around me was thinking the exact same way. And it wasn't until I had quarantine that I couldn't do anything and I couldn't interface with anyone that I was forced to really make my own opinions about things. Man, it's like it's like Fight Club all over again. It's only after you've lost everything, you're free to do anything. I mean, I it's going to sound so douchey, but I mean, I've lived the Fight Club. Ex the Joel Walkowski story has been wild to live. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right down to like living, sleeping in abandoned buildings. It's all right. Probably less punching in abs. And you know what? I can't, I'm not going to do that riff because I have a job. Yeah. Have you <laughs> ever made soap before? Yeah, I have made soap. Damn it. I knew I should have known. Um, oh, well, uh, yeah. Can I get a tangent in? I know this whole thing's been a tangent. Yeah, please go off. Go off, King. <laughs> My fucking wife. <laughs> this guy 
I have a job. This other companies, they've been dragging their feet and they're like, do you want to have a final interview? I was like, I already know I'm not taking the job, right? Oh, and I think they might listen to this podcast. Oh boy. <laughs> well, you're editing it, so cut that out if you want. <laughs> I'm not editing this podcast, man. I'm tired. But um, she's like, just check the interview. You never know. And like, I went there. I was so casual about it. And it went great. Like at one point I talked about Frank Zappa is the original influence there. And I just clicked with this guy and it was just like, I had my cut and dry decision. I'm like, man, I got to reconsider this place. sounds was pretty cool. Yeah. You're like, man, you ever really listened to help on the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Think about the ways he named his children to get people talking about him. Yeah. It's what a you meant by yellow snow. It's a, Oh, that's actually close to your thing. What is? Oh, yeah. The, the Backman snow cone. Yeah. I do yeah. like that uh, Go Cry on Somebody Else's Shoulder. That's a good song. I never heard Frank Zappa. Really? That's <laughs> I know I know he has a song called Titties and Beer, but I just kind of know how people talk about him. Oh, yeah. They talk right, about... Well, I didn't mean to derail your tangent. Continue to go off, King. No, I mean, it. What? I, like, obviously, I didn't know what I was talking about, but you just connect with people here and there, and... Yeah, I'm just, I guess I just wanted the world to know I'm irritated with my lady. Not really, yeah. though. <laughs> That's fine. Well, you're irritated because you've got too many jobs. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> that people are unemployed and you've got too many jobs? No, it's not that. It's I know, that I, I can't say no. And like, I still have this stupid, I, I'm just too busy. I get it. This Why is, would you interview for a job that you're not going to take? I understand. And this is like the time that I like blocked on my calendar that I was like, yeah, I'm going to chill. And like, I've been working around the clock. It's brutal, dude. I don't I mean, I don't doubt it. You've been hustling hard for a couple of months now. Yeah. And I just want to go to bed. I feel you. Um, well, right. I had, uh, I, uh, I had something, uh, happen today. Well, I didn't have it happen today, but it was announced today. And this is just big because I used to talk about them on the podcast a lot. And it was one of my heavy holdings early. I made a decent amount of money on them. But AMD, the uh, the chip makers, uh, they're doing a $4 billion share repurchase program. Did you see this? Do you care about this? Have you seen this? I, I mean, I first of all, I, I only care that they have a, a female CEO. Lisa, Rob, Sue, we love her. We love Lisa Sue. We're some big supporters of her. So does that mean you get to buy your stock back? I uh, I wish I sold mine. Uh, I sold. I mean, I I liquid I liquidated everything to buy my GameStop back uh, back in January. So I don't have any AMD currently, but I might go back in to AMD soon because one thing that's interesting about AMD is it's a bit frustrating. Like I was very lucky because I bought AMD when it was like I want to say in the twenties, maybe mid teens. I held it for very very like multiple years. And I think I, one thing I noticed as an AMD holder for a long time is every time there was any good news, anytime they crushed, uh, they crushed earnings or anything was announced, the stock took a huge hit. So I don't doubt that uh, this $4 billion buyback has probably uh, had a negative impact on the stock. So I might be buying in a little bit heavy here in the, in the next couple of days. I actually don't know. I think, how does a stock buyback affect the price? Does it get a better price? Is it kind of like a merger where it depends on the finances of each company? I'm not 100% sure, but I believe, I think it, it gives more value to the shares, that, to, the, like, outs, to, the, the, to the outstanding shares. So like they buy back shares because they think that like 
the market is too, it's discounted its shares too steeply to invest in itself. So it's it's to improve. It's like improve the ratio of like outstanding shares versus what it owns. I I think I could be wrong about that, but well, um, no, it, it gives them more equity, and having more equity affects certain ratios. And it, I see how it is in the firm's financial incentive to do it, and how it would actually feed into a higher stock price just by virtue of having more of it. But I don't. I want to see how it is from the retail investor's perspective. Right. Well, so I, th I think it does have a, I think it has a direct Im impact on earnings per share. Um, but I don't know how much it will affect uh, AMD. I, like I said, it's funny because the news always seems to, even if it's good, affect them negatively. So, but, uh, you know, that's just a big thing. It's a big deal. I think AMD is a, is a big company. I think that they've been growing steadily over the last couple of years. And um, it's definitely something I'm looking to buy back into. Like I said, I got, I got pretty lucky with them where I had a pretty hefty stake in them and it, uh, it did pretty well, uh, well for me over the years. So I think that's something to, it's, it's a good sign. Yeah. And I mean, apart from like Doge and GameStop, like that's the kind of company where you'd be like, yeah, I have got 30% of my assets in here. And be like, yeah, I get that completely. I yeah. understand. So, yeah, that was just some news that popped off today that I thought was worth bringing up um, just because we've talked about, like I said, we know we love Lisa, too, and uh, AMD on here. And isn't every I just want to talk about isn't every company kind of Patreon now? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, it is the business model. You're not wrong. I mean, what is Roblox but Patreon? I uh user generated content. That's what that's the wave they're riding and it works out pretty well for them. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at Roblox stock uh in a couple of weeks or so, so I don't actually know what it's doing. Um Yeah, but you know it's not really going anywhere. You know it with that user base, it'll be steady growth moving forward and you know User-generated content, I think it is like pretty fundamentally sound. Like my first, when you first kind of think about how businesses are run off just kind of being the platform of exchange, it's a little, I mean, you don't want to run behind it, but right. I think it is kind of one of the baselines of the new economy. Well, so it's Roblox itself, just a little update, I guess. It opened up at about, it's 64.50 when it IPO'd, and then it sh went up and down, up and down, 77, 67. At one point, it hit 82.05, and uh, currently it's sitting at 75.01. Yeah, and it's not going to be a big pop, but I think we're talking about the 8% 8, 8 gains per year. I think it could be an excellent candidate for that. Like, you talked to... You know, people at the younger element of Gen Z, like a niece or nephew, and they're gaga about it. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it a little after it happened, but my nephews uh, are all about it. They want gift cards for Roblox. They're playing it together all the time. When they're on their iPads, that's what they're doing. They're watching YouTube videos, and they're playing Roblox. And and, uh, and you could almost invest invest in any company that's one of the first companies to make people seem old because i'm talking with other people in their mid-30s they can't help but say robux they say robux every time and Here's like robux yeah just like people were saying Bookface 15 years ago 34 was like, what's this facebook i don't, I don't, I don't get this these same people are going robux i don't get it 
So I think there would be, um, yeah, that's my new investing strategy. If 35 year olds don't understand what something is and they have trouble with the name, I'm all in. That's a huge, I mean, that's not a bad idea. I mean, that's an absolutely like sustainable, I think that's a good way to, to at least discover things to do research on. Cause that's kind of how I figured out about, you know, crypto and all that stuff. It's like, there's people that are like, what, I don't know, I'm not going to get involved in this one of those things too, where people, older people think they can just choose not to acknowledge something and it won't exist. And it doesn't work that way. Like just people being like, I'm not going to learn about crypto. I'm not going to, and it just won't. It's like, all right, well, you're just cutting your own nose off sort of thing. Like you're just spiting, you're just doing like, you're not helping yourself by doing that. But isn't crypto the same thing? Isn't crypto more coins get minted and, oh, it's always on to the next one. We're making this crypto now. It's user generated content at this point. Right, exactly. And it, I mean, that, but that's the thing that's insane too, is you and I have only gotten learned about, we started this podcast originally being like, we're not going to acknowledge crypto at all. And then we've slowly started to learn about it week after week. And then every week there's a new, you know, there's a new coin that comes out. There were Shiba coin. And then I think that's dead. And then safe moon is a thing I keep hearing about now. It's like, it, it's crazy how pump and dumpy and how, how these feel lately. Uh, with all these new coins coming out. And yeah, I've gone from about it all. I've gone from not acknowledging crypto to acknowledging crypto to buying crypto to getting out of crypto to learning more about crypto to not acknowledging crypto. I've had the full life cycle of engagement with this particular set of securities. There might be potential, but I don't really want to go down that road just as there are other things to do in life except stand on stage and tell jokes into a microphone. There are other things to discuss about crypto. I've been on it for about eight years. I hope everyone makes so much money off it, but I'm not going to be a part of anyone's financial journey. I'm going to tell people I don't talk about crypto for religious reasons. I like that. That's funny. Hey, we, the Mormons, uh, the, I saw an article that uh, the Mormons made a bunch of like a, made like a 900% return on uh, GameStop. Okay. I, I'm, I do want to just maybe potentially narrow down this population. What do you, what is the Mormons in this instance? Like Mormons, like the Mormon religion, they have like a, they have like a the church. Yes, the Church of Mormonism has like <laughs> they have a hundred billion dollar like like financial they have, a, they have a bunch of money. Oh, and I You gotta love it. God bless Zach Wilson for making all those GameStop trades for him. The, the, truly, I'll I'll send you the article if you're interested. But like the the book, like I almost said the Book of Mormon. The Mormon Church has like their the own, financial book of Mormon. The financial yeah, I'd like to see those books. Crack those books open. Um but uh, yeah, the, the the Mormons are, they have like a hedge, they're basically their own hedge fund because they're privately, they do their own shit. They don't pay taxes on anything. So they have a hundred billion dollar um, basically hedge fund and they made a huge sum of money on GameStop and they're just making, uh, I mean, it's just so crazy. Does their non-taxable designation extend into the financial realm? Like from trading a security, what they wouldn't be, they couldn't do that, right? I certainly hope not. Look, I don't like Mormons. I'll say it out loud. I'll put you can put it on wax. Uh, I, fr- I, um, I was I was told to kill myself by a, a Mormon that is Mormon was very mean to me, super mean to me. I checked her um her like bio and her thing was like devout Mormon, you know, God is this and John Oliver is that and the the tablets are in my asshole and all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't like it. Uh, you got weird underwear on. I'm not a fan. 
Um, I do think you want to be careful about saying you don't like particular religions. Let's go back to the supporting the core competency. Part of that was touring and doing comedy, especially you're doing the Idaho Comedy Festival this weekend. Who do you think is there? Oh, believe me. I know. I know. I'm ready. I got no, no, like- people are going to if people like you at this friggin festival, they're going to download the show and they're going to hear you say you hate Mormons. Yeah, no, no, they're going to hear me say I hate Mormons when I'm on stage saying I hate Mormons at the shows. Mormons, if you played basketball, you would not hate Mormons. If you went to Utah, you're going to Utah. Okay, first of all, you hate Mormons. Where are you where are you planning on visiting the rest of the year? You have trips to Idaho and Utah. The year, This is like how the people who are homophobic are secretly gay. You're secretly Mormon. How did you know I had on my secret underwear right now? I only I know that I have on my magic underwear. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I hate Mormons. I'll be in Idaho next week. I'll be in Utah in August. No, I <laughs> like those guys. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go to Joseph Smith's estate because I hate it so much. Yeah, I gotta I gotta take a privilege a, a pilgrimage because I hate it so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing just, this two year mission think- statement. Ironically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why the fuck did I say statement? I messed up the joke. That's all right. It was still funny. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm kidding. I don't really hate Mormons, but I don't respect you. That's There's a difference. Have you ever played basketball with a Mormon? No, I never would. <laughs> Come on, Mormons can hoop. I had a Mormon roommate, Greg, in college. That dude ruled. And Mormons, it's crazy. Mormons run the New York photo industry. I worked with so many cool-ass Mormon people. They ruled. And in my high school, there were three Mormon kids Coincidentally, they were three kids with roller skate shoes. Oh, wow. I didn't think they were allowed to use technology. <laughs> I, I thought Heelys were a major tenet of the faith. Yeah, yeah, they're like Jehovah's Witnesses, but they get around quicker. I know this is a visual joke, but uh, they walk to church like this. Skirt, skirt, skirt. <laughs> Um, that that was me doing an act out on a podcast, so I shouldn't scold Matt too bad. No, that was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine. Uh, I'm gonna be nice to the, all the Mormons I meet, but on stage, my persona, my stage persona, I don't like Mormons. Oh, I didn't realize I was dealing with the Andrew Dice Clay version of you. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I, get, those, get those potatoes out of your asses and get, get, sit down in my in your seat and watch my jokes. I'm gonna clap it. I'm gonna light a potato on stage and clap it, uh, clap it out with my hands. You could make a potato bong. Uh, do you think I'll be able to find any weed when I'm in Idaho? Oh yeah, probably in the backpack you fly with. That's where I would search. I don't. All right. Well, let's not put that out there. I mean, I, if if you're gonna go speak against a religion to their faces, you might as well not count on like expecting that same audience to be your hookup i mean i'll pay him <laughs> <laughs> i'll pay you all right whatever um let's wrap it up and we've done enough mormon bashing joel we know how you feel about him let's just let it go uh, i mean we had a great episode then you said you hated one of the world's foremost religions i had I, didn't, fun- I didn't say anything about scientology all right <laughs> i don't like them either but <laughs> It's this closet Mormon ass. I'm never going to make it in Hollywood. I don't like the Mormons. I don't like Scientologists. Mormons, they don't do alcohol. They don't do caffeine, nicotine, drugs. 
There's a reason they have some of the most attractive women in the United States. Uh, uh, compare what's happening in Mormonism with how those people age to how the rest of the United States ages. Those they're, are all my favorite things. I don't I don't want any of that. I mean, they're going to tell me I can't have sex with my girlfriends and I have to have one of them. Hey, I don't think my, my Mormon friends would really appreciate that type of humor from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to laugh at that, man. Come on. I love that faith. I love you, Matt. Come, go see him at the Idaho Comedy Festival this weekend in Boise. It's to spite one man. And, you know, while they're there, why not throw in an entire faith? That's that's not why I'm going. I'm not going to spite a man. I'm going to do four shows a night, and that's it. Four shows Thursday, four shows Friday, four shows Saturday. I'm also doing a, a finance panel with uh, Laura Sogar. We're doing a finance panel at like 4:30 on like Friday or Saturday. Ooh, that yeah. could be fun. Yeah. So I'm gonna try and re record it. Maybe we'll put it up on the Patreon. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you're in Idaho, if you're near Idaho, buy a buy a buy a ticket. They have daily, and then they have uh, three-day passes. Come see me and a bunch of the New York comedians, uh, and I'm going to try my best to be respectful of the Mormon thing. Yeah, then listen to our Patreon, where Lauren Sogar will tell you to invest in swim caps. Yeah, and Adidas wear for no reason at all. Yeah, buy a beautiful Ken doll of a boyfriend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This was fun, Joel. All right. Peace, guys. Au Later. Au